0: You're listening to Chris Farrell's On Watch podcast from Judicial Watch. I'm Chris Farrell, and this is On Watch. Welcome to On Watch, everybody, the Judicial Watch podcast, where we get behind the scenes, do a deep dive on stories that are underreported. We also get to talk to some special guests and get their insights, their opinions, their experience on what's really going on in Washington, D.C., Today, we've got a super guest. We're very excited to have Congressman Andy Biggs joining us. He entered Congress in 2016, representing Arizona's fifth district. And he serves on the House Oversight and Accountability Committee and on the House Judiciary Committee, where he is chairman of the Judiciary Subcommittee on Crime and Federal Government Surveillance. Obviously very hot topics to to us today. Uh, From 2019 to 2021, He was chair of the House Freedom Caucus, and we all know how important that particular caucus is in representing conservative principles, and we have many great friends and allies there at Judicial Watch. He's currently the co-chair of the Border Security Caucus, which makes sense since he's representing Arizona's fifth district, but more broadly the whole country, of course. And he's vice chair of the Congressional Western Caucus and co-founder of the Bipartisan War Powers Caucus. Congressman Andy Biggs, welcome to On Watch.
1: Thank you, Chris. It's great to be with you. And, and, and I give greetings to all the folks in Judicial Watch's um, support uh, arena. We really appreciate it in, in, uh, in Congress and appreciate all you guys do. Thank you very much. So this
0: has been one heck of a week, Congressman. This is a really unprecedented, groundbreaking. There's all kinds of expressions and terms we could throw around to try to describe what's going on in our country but uh in very short order uh you and your colleagues produced an fbi record that shows or or at least uh, leads to the conclusion that the president of the united states was accepting bribes from uh, foreign entities and then the very next day uh, the one and only time a former president of the United States is facing indictment. Uh, this, is, this is a one-two punch. This is a, a, a big, big news cycle. Let me get your kind of you 100,000-foot know, view of what's going on right now.
1: Well, so with regard to the, the FD1023, the document that the FBI finally produced, uh chris until 2 weeks ago they said that document did not exist which is bizarre and then uh they we 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 knew it existed um and so we we put pressure i give it to, i give all credit to uh, chairman comer chairman grassley ultimately they provided the document to us yesterday and we can go to that in more depth so uh, a detail in a minute but the reality is it really does paint a picture of of pay-to-play corruption uh, in the Biden family syndicate. And at the same time, uh, coincident, uh, coincidence, I don't think so. All of a sudden, you have the delivery of, an indi- of a 38-count indictment against uh, President Trump. The first time in history we've seen it. And it's grossly disparate treatment with gratuitous comments in the document itself, which makes it a particularly – um, leads to the belief that it's politically biased and politically motivated, um, and that the timing also is is being done to deflect attention away from uh, what is really damning evidence against uh, Joe Biden and his family.
0: This is uh this is really stunning stuff. I mean, the notion that in the United States. Uh, uh, this this jihad, the, this witch hunt uh, fixation, this obsession with going after President Trump as a candidate, in his transition, as in his administration, post-administration, as a candidate for re-election. This is a never-ending cycle of claims and investigations. And character assassination. And, you know, of course, part of the problem is over and over again, it's proven to be wrong, misleading, false, unfounded. Uh, yet they persist again and again and again. Um, you know, are they overplaying their hand this time? Have they gone really a bridge too far in this relentless pursuit of? The man Donald Trump, but also that the movement, the people that that support his his ideas and his beliefs.
1: Well, Chris, I'm glad you put it in those terms because I think you're right. Um, they view Donald Trump as the symbol, um, as the disruptor of the uniparty, the swamp, the the left wing mantra. Uh, and I I would just tell you. Uh, that that my perception of this is it is Donald Trump uh they don't like his personality they think he's boorish or what rude or whatever it is but it's more than that they think that he would disrupt the the very move to the hard left authoritarian government that people like in congress like the progressive caucus really want and so uh, uh, so it's Donald Trump on one level, but it's also against every other American who disagrees with them. They want to basically uh, cause us to cower and to be weak need and not stand up and be counted and not fight back and argue back and not take uh, and exercise our constitutional liberties and rights. And, you know, an example related to this, Chris, that, that um, just happened just a few weeks ago is the Durham report came out, right? The Durham report came out and basically uh, demonstrated conclusively that the Hillary Clinton campaign paid for through the Perkins Coie law firm, through another individual to, to uh, steal, Christopher Steele, to create a fraudulent uh, a narrative that Trump was in collusion with the Russians to to take away our free elections. The FBI the intelligence community, the Obama-Biden White House, all bought into it, even though they knew uh, the dubious origins of it. And the same day that Durham report comes out, Chris, um, George Santos, New York congressman, they indict him and release the indictment publicly to try to distract from the powerful statement of the Durham report, same thing yesterday, they want to basically control the media narrative. They want to deflect from anything that is is uh, uh, going to uh, besmirch that movement. And they are, uh, I will just tell you, the difference between the left I've seen uh, is twofold. Number one, uh, they're ruthlessly focused, Um, one and ruthlessly amoral in trying to get to their objective.
0: You are correct. This is a, uh, this is a form of uh, use of government authority and all of the sort of uh, levers and organs of the state, as the uh, old communists in the Soviet Union would say, the organs of the state have all been aligned and, uh, and energized in a really militant fashion. Uh, and th- there's no power that they will not use. So every bit of authority, every bit of power that they have has been directed and focused on Trump and all things MAGA. Uh, frankly, you know, th- there's very few people uh, that over the last couple of years have stood up and uh, defended Trump since he left office. First of all, everyone was beaten into submission and cowed into sort of, uh, uh, you know, this, this fawning uh, attempt to not be criticized with anything concerning January 6th. That was weaponized and utilized as a, as a way to intimidate people. And then you had uh, Biden give this Philadelphia speech where he identified MAGA Republicans as being enemies of the state. Uh, you've had increasing language, reckless language from Biden. He was at Howard University a couple of weeks ago, and he said that the uh, the greatest threat to the country uh, was a white supremacists. Um, Just this drumbeat of of uh, of propaganda and an attempt to control the narrative of, as you've described. That is, it is corrosive. We are now on a path where uh, we're a caricature of ourselves. We're this this freakishly simplistic cartoon where MAGA bad, Trump bad, and if you have any sort of beliefs that that don't align with the the woke agenda and the Biden administration, uh, you know, kind of uh, cultural Marxism, you're an enemy of the state, and this is getting this is at a level we have never seen before.
1: Yeah, Chris, I I, I agree with you, and and the the reality is, um, uh, Republicans have typically, uh, two points here. Republicans have typically viewed Democrats as as political opponents. Democrats, at least in my time in Congress. Have viewed Republicans as enemies and adversaries, and um, and so we so in, in that point one, when people when people back home they they talk to you and say, well, can you work with the Democrats? I remind them it's tough to work with the Democrats who think that we are enemies of the state, and they would like to put us in jail. It becomes really difficult to work real closely with them, although if there's something that I agree with, I uh, I will work with them. And then I guess I guess the second point along those lines is is this: they are incredibly focused. Th- they focus on what they do, and it is to take over the country and enforce their will on the United States of America. And we have the vast majority of Americans don't. I mean, I just saw polling data on this uh, yesterday. Uh, over ninety percent of uh, Americans don't even think or talk about politics in a day. They just don't. It's not it they wanna they most Americans eat right or left, they want to have their jobs, they want to have their families, they want to have their time, their leisure, whatever. But the Democrats remain and the left, the hard left remain incredibly focused. You cannot, for instance, uh Jamie Raskin in Maryland, I just I, I I disregard him. I don't I don't respect Virtually anything he does, I disagree with it. I fight him vehemently. But the one thing he does is it doesn't matter what the topic is. He's going to bring it back to Donald Trump caused a riotous insurrection in the Capitol. Doesn't matter if you're talking about blueberries, unicorns and rainbows. That's what he's going to talk about. And the result is the Democrats and the media pick it up and they run with it over and over and over again. And it's, it's a big lie there. You tell the big lie uh, long enough, loud enough, and often enough, and people will begin to believe you.
0: You're 100% correct. I want to go back to something that you touched on briefly in your opening remarks. I want to give you time to elaborate or expand upon it as you see fit. You touched on the FD-1023, which is a a, uh, a confidential human source reporting document from the FBI. And this, this goes to the matter of... Uh, Of Biden accepting bribes, or part of the Biden, I refer to it as a crime family or syndicate. You call it; Uh, it's a criminal enterprise. Uh, Please, uh, in any any way that you can, please tell the audience why that document is so
1: significant. A lot of reasons. So, first, on process-wise, it it is. A, a product from 2020 that contains information that goes right into the time Joe Biden was the vice president. Um, and and so that's the first thing. The second thing is, uh, with regard to process, is that the FBI, until about two weeks ago, said they didn't even have the document. And then they finally came clean and said they've got it. So we don't know uh, really how long it's been uh, that the FBI did nothing with it. Uh, third thing on the process thing is again this Jamie Raskin, who hasn't met a, uh, uh, an untruth he's willing to uh, um, not not promote, used to promote his own theory, claimed that it was a nothing burger, and that the FBI investigated and said it was nothing. And uh, former Attorney General, who's no friend of Donald Trump, William Barr, said that's not true. He debunked Mr. Raskin immediately. So that's the process side, but the the substance side, and this is the meat and potatoes of it. Um, the context is this: uh, the Biden family during Biden's tenure as vice president literally set up dozens of LLCs. Those are those are shell in this instance, shell corporations designed to run one transaction or two transactions through, and then it has no other business, no other purpose for being there. The same thing with many many bank accounts and um so we've we've already released information regarding Romania and a corrupt businessman who who uh ran uh lots of money through those various accounts and and, and it ended up even in the chi- a grandchild of Joe Biden's account right uh, no reason for a romanian yeah right so and the same thing with china and and but now you get to ukraine this is ukraine and the you got the chs confidential human source and he is having multiple conversations um, with an individual who is making admissions against interest, which gives that veracity. And the the reporting source is a long-term, reliable, confidential source that has been used and been paid hundreds of thousands of dollars by the FBI because that individual is, is truthful. So what, what does come out the nub of it? And I won't go to, to more than just this. That the guy number one felt coerced to do this. Number two, um, he had to put felt he had to put Hunter Biden on his board of directors of Burisma, so that the uh, so that uh, he could keep access to Joe Biden. Number three, that he gave five million dollars to Hunter Biden and five million dollars to Joe Biden uh, while Joe Biden was vice president in order to do number four, um, stop an investigation in Ukraine by Prosecutor General Shokin. Uh, into the illegal conduct of Barisma. That's that's it in a nub, and there's so much more there. But the 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 point, I guess, ultimately is, um, you finally have somebody. Well, besides, we had Tony Babalinsky, who said that Joe Biden knew and was getting a kick, uh, getting cuts off of this stuff. But now you have someone else who's very dramatic, and then you and then it's backed up by the video, the very dramatic video of Joe Biden. <laughs> Saying that he withheld U.S. taxpayer-funded dollars appropriated by Congress to Ukraine on the condition that they fire the Prosecutor General of Ukraine, Ukraine who was investigating Burisma, the and that's, company that's upon the which now, his son sat as director. Right.
0: That's the now infamous uh, Council for Foreign Relations uh, clip that Biden's, you know, bragging in his phony Matuismo kind of Mr. Tough Guy routine that he does. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. So listen, I, That is exactly right. I,
0: I want to share something with you, Congressman, that, that you probably know, but our, our listening audience uh, needs to hear it, and they need to hear it over and over again. Uh, Judicial Watch sued the National Archives for something called the Clinton sock drawer tapes, and that is that Bill Clinton had conducted an oral history with a historian by the name of Taylor Branch, and Taylor Branch recorded these uh, reminiscences Uh, real time of Bill Clinton while in office as president. He discussed all sorts of things. He also discussed classified information with Taylor branch and these audio recordings, Taylor branch had a set and Bill Clinton was given a set. Bill Clinton took those tapes and kept them literally in the sock drawer when he left the white house and we sued to get them. And we lost in court 11 years ago, judge Amy, uh, Jamie, Uh, Amy Berman Jackson uh, ruled that the president of the United States under the presidential records act has absolute unreviewable authority to take any records or documents that the president wishes to take when he leaves office. He may take them from the white house, from the government as his personal privilege and prerogative as president. And that specifically the national archives has no authority to try to designate what are presidential papers and what are personal papers. And that stood as the law of the land and still stands as the law of the land since we lost that case 11 years ago. And I think that's very important for people to understand, because if you understand that properly, if Bill Clinton can take anything he wants out of the White House as president and say, hey, these are my personal records, and I don't care if they're classified or not. They're mine. I'm the president. If Bill Clinton can do that, why can't Donald Trump? Were, were, were you aware of that uh, that, that case, the, the Clinton sock cl- uh, case, uh, Mr. Chris. Yes. Yes, I think Chris, it's incredibly was. important.
1: Yeah, it, it is, and it gets to the point. And, Chris, I'm, I'm sorry I have to go. I'm... Uh... I, I, I appreciate I your do. time,
0: Mr. Biggs. It's, uh, we'll have you on again. It's really great to have you with us.
1: Thanks, Chris. And we'll do this again. Thanks so much. I'm Chris Farrell on Watch. Thanks for listening to Chris Farrell's On Watch podcast. For more information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no one is above the law.